This is the World of Raw Podcast. And now your host, standing at 6'4", 225 pounds, from Alice, Texas, Roel Santos. All right, everyone, sit back, relax, crank up your volume to the highest level because it's now time for the World of Roe podcast. I'm your host. My name is Roel Santos. How are you guys doing? I'm a podcaster. I'm a father. I am a fan of lifting weights again. I'm also a fan of music and lots of other things, chicken wings. This is the podcast, guys. Welcome to the show. I give this show to you every single Friday on iTunes. Apple Podcasts, I mean Google Play, any podcasting app you use, there's a couple of great ways you can help out my podcast. And the first first and most important one is to take the time to write a review on iTunes. <clears throat> rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell them to tweet it, Instagram it, Facebook it, whatever type of social media, text it, maybe airdrop it to you. Let them know about my amazing show or let tell them to let everyone know about my amazing show. I would really appreciate it. <clears throat> okay, guys. Well, um... It's been a it's been a week, but I'm back again and for an episode. Although it's not a new episode, um, there was an episode I did back in April of last year. April, ep- <laughs> April, episode thirteen to be exact. It was the podcast episode I had with. <clears throat> I'm trying to clear my throat. I think it's the allergies or something. Does it sound kind of tough? Kind of tough, rough, tough and stuff. I got my little son here with me. He's just hanging out in the background. But anyway, episode 13, <clears throat> I had Natasha Pearl Hansen on my podcast, and I wanted to re-air it. And the reason why I wanted to re-air it is because it was my most successful podcast episode for the longest time. And uh, some downloads from other podcasts have passed it, but she kind of helped me greatly uh, being on the podcast. She was a... She was an, she's an up-and-coming stand-up comedian. She's an amazing writer. She does a lot of things proactively in the acting scene in LA and uh, when I reached out to her at the time I was a little nervous and hesitant about maybe if she would do the podcast or not and she did <clears throat> and it was actually um, the first guest I had that wasn't a podcaster or affiliated with the Pottern family so to speak <clears throat> so it was an exciting time nervous and you can hear it. I mean, you, granted, this was like my 13th solo episode at the time. And I did it in in one of my uh, one of the rooms that we had <clears throat> at our home. And it was a very secluded one. I, I tried to do that just to get like a real, um, a real good conversation. And the sound quality was a little rough at the beginning. Uh, well, there, uh, when I say at the beginning, I mean at the podcast and to try to get like a a better sound and it actually comes across like a comes across a very good I was using a di- I was using different equipment at the time and I was using this not to get all technical with you guys but I was using this audio interface and there was this thing called Zencaster and it it kind of uh recorded the files for you now I'm, I mean I'm obviously it's a lot different now but it was I just wanted to rebroadcast it because it kind of gave me the confidence kick in the butt that I needed at the time to kind of get this thing going full circle and as I've been on and off here the last couple of months and getting ready for the Ronos Podfest, this is kind of like a little segue getting into it. And uh, it was one of the the funnest podcasts I've ever done. And you can and one of the things that I will mention 
is that I was very, very nervous when I did this podcast. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and play that episode for you guys. I hope that you all are having a fantastic week. My week has been great. I have nothing, no news or anything to report to you guys. I've talked a lot over the last few weeks to you all individually or with my individual episodes. So I'm not going to keep on rambling and rambling and rambling because I've done enough of that. So here's the episode with Natasha and I, and I hope you guys enjoy. I am originally from Wisconsin. I, um, I did live in North Carolina for a little while when I was younger from age like two to seven. My dad was in the army and my mom was in the army. Um, and then moved up to Wisconsin at age seven. So I was born there and then moved back there. So yeah, pretty much my whole life grew grew up in Wisconsin. (laughs) Nice. Do you miss the, do you miss the weather from in Wisconsin? I'm guessing not. (laughs) (laughs) The weather there is awful. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Um, being in Texas, we don't have four seasons. We just have two seasons, um, summer and more summer. Yeah. Summer, dry summer. Yeah. yeah, in Wisconsin, I mean, you'd wait all year for summer to hit, and then summer would be so muggy, and there'd be so many mosquitoes. Yeah. It was like, uh, yeah, there was, you know, it was hard to actually pinpoint a good mm. weather moment. <laughs> nice. No, I mean, not nice, but I, I know I know that feeling. Actually, right now, it's starting to get, it, it just rained, I guess, like the last couple of days, and it's been pretty humid. So it's, it's starting to feel like summer today. In nice spring more like spring yeah spring, yeah. Right? yeah yeah kind of spring but it to me when it's over like 85 degrees i'm like oh great summer is already here <laughs> <laughs> totally. so yeah so are you uh what part of wisconsin um i was raised in stoughton wisconsin okay. which is about 15 miles not even 15 miles but about outside of madison okay so yeah. basically madison is what i tell people Unless oh, they are yeah. familiar with Wisconsin, because yeah. everyone should know where Madison is, unless they don't know state capitals. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so. uh, are you are you a big uh, Green Bay Packer fan by any chance? Huge. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. We're gonna get along famously then. Are you a Packer fan? I am. <laughs> oh wow! From Texas, and you have yes. all these options, and you chose Green Bay. Well, let me tell you real quick, just because. Um, I, growing up, I, I hated the Cowboys, despised the Dallas Cowboys when I was Thank in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and most people who are close to me know that I can't stand them. Um, so when, when I got married and my wife was like, who's our football team? And I go, well, why do you want to know? She's like, well, this guy that I work with um, gets jerseys and he wanted to know who our team was and we could get a good discount. I said, well, we're Green Bay fans. She's like, really? I was like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. And I started doing the discount double check and she's like, what are you doing? I go, that's have you not seen those commercials? You know, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. So, so every time we'd have get togethers and people would ask us, who's your football team? Because everywhere, everybody here, we're all diehard Spurs fans, but, sure. um, and then, <laughs> so I, I tell her, I'm like, okay, honey, show them, show them who our team is. And she'll do the little discount double check. And everyone starts like, Oh my God. <laughs> you know, when I was in junior high, it was all like Dallas, 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 because it was around that time they had done the back to back with uh, Troy Aikman and oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and I remember cause we, um, yeah, I mean, we, we grew up with one of our, my dad's best friend was a Texan and a huge, okay. um, Dallas Cowboys fan. So it was kind of like this running thing where we would all wear the jerseys each other's hated to every 
to every game and like family, you know, dual family event and just talk shit about each other. (laughs) (laughs) And that was before I really even understood football. So even then I already knew like, we just don't like the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can't stand them. And so every time I, see, I meet somebody who's a Cowboys fan, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind anyway. of funny with sports teams because, I mean, I football is a weird thing for me because it's such a – in Wisconsin, it's such a big part of your upbringing to drink beer, yeah. eat right. cheese, and enjoy – football and watch the Green Bay Packers and be a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. Yeah, that Uh, is awesome. You know, there's just a couple things that you just have to do being a Wisconsinite. Wisconsinian? I should know what they're called, but whatever. Um, So, (laughs) but when I was growing up, I really didn't care about football at all. Right. I was just forced to watch it and I was close with my dad. And so I would do it to bond with him. Nice. And it wasn't until college that I actually started you know, by then I had friends that were playing football. Yeah. And uh, I went to the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities. Yes. And so I would I, watch, I would wear my Packer gear and go to the Minnesota bars and piss oh, everyone off. Oh, yeah. And, that's, yeah, yeah. But then I was a fan of, you know, U of M sports because I had a lot of friends that played. I'd at least support the fact right. that, you know, they were on the team. And uh, I actually started to learn and care about football more as a sport itself. Yeah. And then, you know, now I don't really care about basketball still. I mean, I'll watch yeah. it, but, right. uh, but football, I absolutely like grew into it over the last decade of my life. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Then <laughs> yeah, the last, yeah. the last 10 years for green Bay have been really good. So yeah, overall. <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, from whole the, Brett Favre Favre stuff. the whole Favre thing. I know exactly. Yeah. That's what I say but that's a whole nother podcast i'm sure yeah they they, they kiss and they kissed and made up finally and now he's in their hall of fame which is awesome yeah yeah and i mean he deserves to be i mean oh yeah you know just because of just because somebody does you know the whole viking thing was what really pissed off so many packer fans because you know there's just such a hearty rivalry between those two states as far as sports go so it's just the biggest slap in the face ever for a Packer fan for their like <laughs> star quarterback to go to the Vikings. It's <laughs> like, why? <Yeah>. No. <laughs> yeah, you know, as being a Packer fan, I was getting kind of annoyed with him because every year he was saying he was going to retire, then he'd unretire, then he'd change his mind. And exactly. Like, I'm like, dude, we got this awesome quarterback waiting to waiting to hit the field. You got to give him a chance already. This guy's yeah, this guy's amazing. And then he's had such an amazing career, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, was just a godsend. But, um, yeah. you know, the whole far of retiring and unretiring thing, like, I, you know, as annoying as it was, I also get that. Like, this yeah. is this guy's life. You right. know, he'd say he was done and be like, oh, wait a second. No, I don't, I don't want to be yeah. done. Like, I, you know, I mean, I get it to an extent, but it's also like, okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you said you went to University of Minnesota. Now, I was reading a little bit about your bio and you had gone to school for something completely different. And then you had mentioned that, or there was in an article that you were in that you had mentioned that your professor had told you to do like improv or something. And that's how you kind of came to be. Yeah. 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 It was, that's exactly right. Um, well I wasn't, it's kind of complicated. So I, I was a, a, uh, high honors student. Mm -hmm. I, school was always easy for me. So I didn't find it to be a challenge. Um, yeah. So I did the hardest major. I did pre-med 
um, <sighs> double majoring with psych, I was doing a really high amount of credits a semester, like four more than the average student would. Wow. Um, and my minor was theater and dance, um, yeah. which at the U, you, the thing that sucks when you have a lot of interest and you're not really sure which route to go, they let you create your own major and minor situation. So, I mean, that's what I did, which isn't really beneficial for right. you in the long run because you just really spend all this time in a lot of classes that you're good at and you can't really hone in on anything. Yeah. So in my, you know, in my pre-med classes, that was what that was. And then my theater classes, I was having the most fun. And I always knew I enjoyed theater, but right. I didn't think of it as a practical career. Um, because, you know, really, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, honestly, it's not. And so I, I had a lot of my peers that annoyed me in certain classes because they took everything so seriously. Right. And in my brain, it was like, we're here to have fun. Like, yes, theater and becoming a character and creating art. I mean, those are meaningful to people and it matters. And it so it is serious in that regard. But right. it's also, I mean, people, people need to do it because it's the most fun to inhabit that or, you know, whatever they want to call it. So yeah. I was like, how are these people in these classes? And they're not like smiling ever or enjoying. So I was doing a lot of uh, satirical uh, pieces to kind of make fun of how pretentious a lot of things were. And yeah. one of my classes was a Shakespeare class, which I didn't want to take at mm -hmm. all. But my, you know, when you're a first year student, you have to take a broad range of everything. You just have to take Meisner technique. You have to take, you know, Shakespeare class. You have to take performing arts, whatever, pratfall. We did like a pratfall class. Stuff, so, so basically stuff that you're never going to use in the real world, right? Yeah. I mean, but that's what you do, period. You know, right, when you're pre-med, I had, I had, I took an astronomy class because I had already passed all my physics classes in high school wow. and I had done AP physics. And so I, there wasn't a physics to take. Yeah. Um, so I took an astronomy class, which is just physics of the universe for astronauts. <laughs> and I, <w> yeah. <laughs> I was like, the, the last thing I would ever want to do is be an astronaut or anything to do with NASA. Like right. it wasn't an interest of mine at all. So, I mean, when you talk about how impractical college is, period, it's just not practical for anybody, really. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> Everybody's taking a bunch of crap that they are never going to use. Um, That's true. So, I mean, what... <laughs> Yeah, so it doesn't matter, major, minor, everybody's taking a bunch of irrational stuff. So in this particular class, I was so disinterested that I had to do a speech on something and uh, mm -hmm. and I didn't, I didn't do my speech. And I showed up to class and I had to go up and give a speech. So I, I made up the entire thing. Wow. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't like a long speech, like an hour or anything. It was, you know. 10 minutes, yeah. but, um, yeah, but 10 minutes, but you get, I mean, you got to think on your feet too. Cause you're gonna, you know, yeah. That's, yeah. and I'm, I was really good at doing that, especially, you know, if you're already informed about something, it's not that hard to pull a bunch of facts out of your ass and pretend <laughs> you meant to, to do that. <laughs> right. Right. So it was all stuff we'd been learning for weeks. And that particular teacher was like, how did, you know, how did you just make that whole thing up? I have <laughs> to give you a good score just cause 
who held it together. Yeah. And then my other teacher told me about improv and suggested that, you know, I just had this knack for making, making things go, you know, I just made myself kind of go with the flow. Um, and once I looked up improv and found second city, I was like, Oh, this is, this sounds exactly like what I need to do. So, and that was that. Yeah. So then you were like, because you're, I mean, you're in the Midwest. So then that was probably like, what, a, maybe a four or five hour drive. So, so you've, you finished college at U of M or did. No, you... I did not. Okay, as soon did. as I figured out what exactly it was, because I'd been mm-hmm. performing my whole life. I was in dance. I was in choir. I was in show choir. Yeah. Um, I was in band. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so, so, so performing came natural to you. Yeah, but I mean, you really think about it as just a hobby or an extracurricular when you're that age. You don't think about it as a career career. path. Um, So I never thought about it that way. And once I finally was hitting that point with pre-med, I got through my second year and Mm -hmm. then I decided, okay, I am almost 20 years old. I need to figure this out. Um, do I want to go through med school and do that whole shebang or do I want to go perform? And I was like, I want to go perform. So I told my parents they were super supportive and I left school and I moved back to Madison. I worked, uh, I bartended and cocktailed at an Applebee's. Can you call it cocktailing? I guess it's just interesting. You could say I was doing the Tom Cruise cocktail thing. I don't know. Oh no. I mean, I wasn't doing anything cool. It was an Applebee's. (laughs) Um, but I was 20 years old and I was living in Madison, working at Applebee's, met literally all of my best friends to this day there. Like I'm friends with everyone I worked with. And, um, and I would commute on the weekends down to Chicago and, um, do classes. And then after Mm -hmm. a couple months of that, I was like, I guess I should move to Chicago. And then that's when I moved. Wow. And so then there you were, when you were in Chicago, you did the second city stuff. And um, yeah. what was that like that? I mean, that's an experience in itself. I mean, you had, I mean, there's so many amazing people that have come, that have come oh, through there. Totally. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Once yeah. I read about it online, because I hadn't heard of it, I had, you know, this wasn't stuff that we were brought up knowing about. Um, right. The Chicago experience was a hundred percent eye opening for in every regard, as far as comedy and performance mm-hmm. arts goes. Um wow. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you can you just do the basic classes. And once I got through that, I auditioned for conservatory. You have to audition a couple of times to stay in the conservatory program. Finished that. I did a bunch of other shows. I directed some shows, not always at Second City. There was a couple of the theaters I worked with as well, but always doing uh, sketch comedy style or using somebody else's uh, play. I directed a one act play that somebody else wrote. Um, Wow bunch of stuff and it, it just you know got me really comfortable on stage nice um, so and, yeah. and when you were in chicago so you started doing your own stand-up comedy stuff what was the what was what was that like what was that like was that pretty tra- nerve-wracking like, when i guess yeah i mean well, well the transition yeah well the transition for one because i mean one you're you're 20 years old that's like when I, when I finally moved to chicago i okay. just turned 21 okay so, you're just 21 yeah still you know and I mean, I, that's, yeah. yeah and then in my second city class like I was um except for my first my very first class like the ones you could pay to be in Mm -hmm. or whatever there was a girl Mm -hmm. younger than me in that but other than that I was usually the youngest Mm -hmm. in all my classes um so part of it was intimidating you know I hadn't but with comedy with with improv especially you just have to be comfortable Mm -hmm. 
in the moment and being yeah. off the cuff and not yeah. having to prepare and, tr- you know, not trying to be funny. The funniest things were when you weren't trying hard yeah. because humans are funniest when they're being natural. It's the same reason yeah. why dogs and kids are so funny because <laughs> they're not thinking about trying to be. Yeah. Um, and then you laugh, you know, at random shit they say. So <laughs> that's how improv felt. And it was really freeing because you know, I, you could show up to class mm-hmm. and you don't have to prepare anything. You don't have to have a character ready. You just have to be willing to um, make everyone else look good. And that's yeah. why I continued in improv for so long because it really is an uplifting type of art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in order for an improv scene to succeed, you've got to make the other person look good and make their suggestions and choices make sense. So it, it's very cooperative. Um, right. And there was a hair, uh, there was a Harold style. Um, the Armando Diaz was a style of long form improv where you okay. would come out and do monologues. Mm-hmm. So you'd have maybe three people in the show would be an hour long and different people from the audience would throw out an improv suggestion and one of you would take the moment to step forward and do a monologue about that topic. And then we'd improvise scenes based off the topic. So after doing the Armando Diaz style for a while, I started realizing that I had a lot of random stuff to talk about. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, had, I had a lot of stories. Like I had, you know, I had put myself in a lot of crazy situations growing up and I just had a lot of tales and interesting people that I knew. And, um, you know, when you get a chance to go out and have to create a monologue in front of people off the top of your head, yeah. you get really comfortable speaking by yourself. And so I started thinking, huh, maybe, maybe I should look into stand up or figure mm-hmm. that whole thing out. Right. So I started, um, I found this bar that had a stage off to the side in Chicago. It was called mad river. And, um, mm-hmm. it, it was just this like tiny little side room with a stage. And I started hosting a booked open mic. Nice. So I got to host the show <laughs> and it took a little bit of pressure off you as a host to just play around and, communicate with the audience and like make up stuff as you went. And then you'd have all these other stand-up comedians that were doing well in the Chicago scene Mm -hmm. come in and perform and you get to watch them and observe and see how their timing is and kind of, you know, for me, it was just about having, you have to do stand-up. You can't learn it from a book. You just have to constantly be getting on that stage. So it was interesting of, of a transition, but you know, if you come from the improv background, at least you're mm-hmm. already comfortable with failing. You're comfortable with, um, you know, moments of silence and then really hard laughter in certain parts, and it, you're yeah. okay with those things. So it makes for easier transition. See, and and that's got I, for me. I I've always been one to not be such a good. Um, speaker i've I've kind of grown into it hence this podcasting thing i kind of admire myself a little bit now but i can't even um, <laughs> way to pat yourself on the back yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding but i think to be able to go and do that that is just that takes a lot of like 
skill for one, right? And then you got to have. I'm a lot glad of courage. you said skill rather yeah. than courage first, yeah. because yeah. I feel like commonly amongst my friends that are not entertainers, and even a lot of friends who are actors but don't do stand up or any live shows. Yeah. A lot of people are like, wow, you're so brave or it's so courageous. And to me, I'm like, yes and no. I mean, mm-hmm. in a way, a lot of comedy is super courageous and very yeah. bold and very, um, uh, ooh, how do you say it? It's like you're bringing people together and bonding over a common thing. And right. that's why comedy works and it's why it's so great. But also, in a way... <laughs> Stand up is selfish. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> come and sit and shut up and listen to me talk. I mean, I don't mean it like in a bad way, but I mean, right. that's that's kind of why people do it because, you know, there's the connecting factor, but also you just want to be heard. So it's this weird combination for me of, yeah, it's super brave what we do and people that I love and respect and have known for years. Mm-hmm. put everything on the line and some really, really deep and dark stuff for yeah. everybody to hear. Um, on the same token, you know, part of what we do has an aspect, you know, <laughs> <laughs> where it, it is very, you know, every man for himself. And, and that part of it can be a little bit tricky sometimes just to make sure you're yeah. keeping your head so, on straight. So it can be a little cutthroat at times is what you're saying? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think so much for me and people that I'm friends with, but I do notice Mm -hmm. that, you know, especially in Los Angeles, sometimes the scene can feel that way. And, um, to me, that's what I miss about improv is that Mm -hmm. improv didn't feel that way as much because it was about making the process work rather than about being the best individual. Does that make sense? Yo, no, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So stand-up is so beautiful. It is. Mm-hmm. It is my favorite thing. Everything comedy is just so wonderful. Um, yes. But I also look at some of my friends that are like nurses or firefighters, and I'm like, "You are brave, dude. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're the brave ones." I'm like, I don't really feel that brave, but well, I think I think what they look at it is, I think the the biggest thing is standing. And standing up in front of a, a crowd of people and you're trying to entertain them and make them laugh and not get, you know, um, panicky. yeah, discouraged mm-hmm. if they don't laugh at your jokes or mm-hmm. they start maybe booing if that does happen. I, I've, I've only been to one comedy show and there were some people that I thought were really, really funny. And then some that you could tell they just weren't in their element. And oh, they were yeah. Just, well, that's, yeah. that's well, I mean, comedy period. Yeah. When yeah. I tell you, like, God, when I first started improv, um, I remember to this day how bad some of the shows were that I was in, like there, <laughs> you know, but you bond over that with your people on stage. Like some, yeah. sometimes things just don't flow. Sometimes right. energies don't match up. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think part of what, when you're okay with the fact that maybe not everybody will think you're the greatest thing ever. Cause that's life. Like, yeah our world is huge and full of lots of people and not everybody's going to see me and think I'm the most great. But the few people that do, if you're mm-hmm. in an audience and it's not working, you try to find those people that are, are on board 
and take a moment to step away from your material or whatever you have to do mm-hmm. and try to try to fix it. Um, there's usually, usually everything is fixable. And if not, I always joke with my friends. I'm like, today's a new day. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't always, you know, you can't take a bad set and think, Oh, my life is over. Like it's just one set. <laughs> Jesus, you yeah. know. <laughs> you got to go back. It's, there's another day. You can try. There's another show. You're always going to get better at it. Oh yeah. Thing. Or yeah. you know, or you're just going to read better with certain people than you do with others, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's part of it's art. You know, sometimes yeah. you go to a gallery and you don't get anything that the person does, and you're like, a five year old did this, but they're selling for five million dollars. <laughs> Yeah. So not everybody's going to look at everything and get it all the time. And that's fine. Right. That's what art is. Wow. So after, uh, how long were you in Chicago? Um, just shy of five years. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so then after Chicago, that's when you made your way to LA. Yeah. Um, okay. So that, hence where you're at now. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah, I was debating between LA and New York for mm-hmm. quite some time and Luckily, when I was in Chicago, my last year, when I knew I wanted to move, because um, I had done Second City and I'd kind of explored a lot of the things that I loved the most about Chicago. Yeah. And I figured if I was going to, you know, really haul ass into a career at that point, I was 26. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I need to just get grounded somewhere and stay there. Um, yeah. And one of my best friends who was a stand up comedian, uh, he was working for an airline. So he was able to get me flights <laughs> for like a hundred bucks a pop. Nice. So what I did for my last year in Chicago is I got a two bartending jobs that I only worked at, you know, super part time. Right. And they were flexible. And mm-hmm. every other week I went to either New York or, or LA for almost an entire year. Well, just to kind of get a feel for each city and which one was right for you kind of thing? Not, not a, yes, but also okay. to meet other comics and yeah. to see what the scenes were like. Um, but I've always had an interest in the business side of the, of the mm. industry as well. And so right. I love the filmmaking process and I write and I like producing. And so LA was a smarter fit for me, mm-hmm. but in New York, nothing tops New York as far as stand-up. Like, you know, it's just true. You can do five sets in one night. Wow. And when you can do that much stage time, um, and there's shows starting at 5 o'clock at night and they go until 4 in the morning, um, wow. you know, you get go- you get really strong really fast. And so, you know, New York is a very smart choice in that regard. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's – my friends that moved out there are just crushing it and growing so quickly. And it makes me happy to see that. So it's all, that is awesome. Yeah. So they're just different spaces, you know, mm-hmm. kind of just depends on what you're, what you're in the need of. Yeah. So, and so, so then you went to, you're in LA. So I, I did see that you were, you were writing and you were doing the, uh, the producing stuff and you were working for a production company. Is that right? Or you're starting I, up your no, own. I own pro- one. You own one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I saw that. So what, what, what predict, what particularly do you guys, um, you know, produce and things of that nature right now, just our own stuff. I mean, it doesn't make any sense for us to do anybody else's stuff yet because we're not, um, we're a production company on paper, but you know, people don't realize how long it takes to actually grow a business like that. So, um, 
right now we're in pre-production of, of a couple of features. We're in, mm -hmm. in production of a number of series. Series are easy for us to shoot because we have all our own equipment and um, I produce, my partner directs and edits. So we kind of can do everything nice. uh, that we need to get done. Nice. Um, but we just shot another pilot like la last weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. So we just shoot a lot and pitch and gear up for things and make sure that we have stuff just ready to show people whenever they yeah. ask, you know, because that's right. such a huge thing out here. People are, show me what you got and you don't have anything, then they don't, yeah. you know, they don't remember you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is that, was that the, so was that the intention going to LA to do all these things that you, that you're now doing? Was that, was that kind of Absolutely. like the, the mindset? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all under the umbrella of comedy, of course. Um, of course. But, you know, for me, it was never a practical idea that I would move out here and become an overnight star on the CW. Like that wasn't what I thought my career path would be. Right. When I look at people in the industry that I really revere, mm -hmm. uh, it's like Tina Fey, Elizabeth Banks. I love um, Lake Bell. I love people that are just kind of doing their own thing and then it turned um in other words I didn't want to wait for somebody else to book me on stuff I want to make my own stuff um right. I think it you know then then if it's bad you're fully responsible and if it's good you're also fully responsible <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I mean either way you have to take responsibility and it's nice to have that kind of pressure on yourself um yeah to know that whatever you're making is, you know, you just have to keep making better stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. be better than yourself constantly. And it's so much more fun that way. Yeah. Do, do you find it to be, you know, challenging in that sense? Because obviously, um, I, I mean, I'm not in that background, but every time I do like a like I'll do one of these episodes and one of them drops. I'm like, Oh, that one was great. Okay. This one's even better. That one's even better. Oh, it could be, I mean, you're always critiquing yourself, I'm sure. But yes. do you feel like, I mean, cause it, like the experience you have, I mean, cause you've got like so much experience doing all these different things and traveling around the world. I mean, do you still find yourself like constantly, do you, I mean, obviously you don't beat yourself up cause I judging by how, you know, the conversation we're having that you don't, but do, is it just, do you, critique yourself in those types of ways or do of you of course i think yeah. you can't be in this industry unless you do right um if i had started stand-up and i thought i was the best thing ever <laughs> and i thought i couldn't possibly get any better what fun would that be right that's true and you know you're constantly rewriting stuff you're constantly getting bored of stuff you used to talk about um yeah. there's plenty of uh you know, sketches that I've shot back when I was 22 that I look back on now and I'm like, oh, that was so awful. <laughs> but who gives a shit? I was right. 22. I'm 31 now. Like I'm, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it's a process. Everything is right. a process. And I never moved out here thinking I'm going to become an overnight, yeah. you know, I'm a hottie. I'm going to get booked on this and I'm just going <laughs> to fucking rock, you know, like in, in my mind, I was like, okay, this is going to be uh, over a decade long preparation for hopefully a lifelong career. Yeah. So I've done the preparation and now I'm moving forward into a lot of projects that I'm super excited about. Like the yeah. pilot we just shot, this is the first time I've shot something and thought the, the entire thing 
is hilarious. Like yeah. we, we shot this piece and we're, we were dying laughing the whole time. And even in the post, Mm-hmm. that makes me excited. I'm like, oh, finally, I've, I've shot a lot of stuff that I thought was funny or had really funny elements, but this is like a piece that I cannot wait to have out. Yeah. So nice. it's, that makes things just way more exciting. You know, you have to change it up and get better and challenge right. yourself. And you have to suck for a while. You totally yeah. have to suck because <laughs> what, I mean, you're it's not fun otherwise. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like I, somebody told me, the you know, when you, when you set out on a journey of what you want to accomplish, this is your goal. But along the way, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. And if you fail, you always pick up yourself up and pick yourself up and you learn from it and you yes. get better at it. So that, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I, I, um, I like to think that I'm kind of funny, but I, I don't, I mean, I think I, I'd like to think I'm, I'm capable of doing so many great things, but at the same time, I want to get better and critique myself. Yeah. But, um, I just, I just, um, I don't, I'm pretty sure you know who, I mean, you, of course you do, you're a comedian. So you know who Mark Maron is. Oh I my just, God. Yeah. Yeah. You kidding? Mark Maron is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I binge watched because they put the whole his, his show on Netflix and I had listened to a couple of his podcasts, the president Obama one, of course, and a couple other ones, because there's a couple of people on his show that I've listened to. I mean, that I liked that were on his show. Yeah. And, and he was talking about um, how he hadn't made it in SNL and he wasn't able to do this. And he was just like, he wasn't getting gigs and things like that. So he started doing a podcast and then the podcasting led to his gigs and it blew up. Was, yeah. Yeah. He's huge now. I mean, and even he's, in the, you know, he's very specific and here's the thing. I've seen that happen with a lot of people that are having mm-hmm. their shining moment. Mm-hmm. You have to find your people. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that I tell other actors or comedians that are starting out or that are newer yeah. to encourage them in LA in particular it's a very strange town. Um, yeah. A lot of people will tell you you're never going to be this or you're never going to be that because you're not this or you don't look like that. Wow. And that's unfair because none of that matters. You have to right. just find the people you connect with. So yeah. over time and over the fact that I've lived in L.A. for almost five years, I have found some of the most talented, amazing wonderful, hardworking people. And I don't notice the shit anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't yeah. notice the, sh- the crappy people. I don't yeah. hang out with them. Right. Right. I make stuff with my friends. Um, I think every, and you have to find your audience and Mark Marin did exactly that. Yeah. He was like, okay, well you guys, I don't fit into your box. I will make my own. Yeah. And that's what people need to do because, you know, sometimes you don't fit into mainstream or you don't fit into what people think you should. Cool. Mm -hmm. Then make your own space and own that, you know? So I I respect the crap out of people that figure that out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, it's, it's almost like, um, you you have to like look inside yourself, I guess. Maybe that's what he did, or maybe that. I mean, what what people yeah. in entertainment do? You gotta like find out what you you don't want to cater to. Be yourself is what I'm trying to get at, right? Obviously, yeah, I think yeah. that's the best way to have longevity. I mean, you can be a lot of things and have a career fast. Mm-hmm. You can be a lot of things and get on a reality show and have yeah. people know who your name is. Um, oh yeah, yeah, but if you want to have a longevity in a career and have people that 
seek you out, seek mm-hmm. you out for the right reasons, then you, you have to do that. You have to make sure you stay true to who you are and find people and surround yourself with people that reflect those things because, yeah. you know, otherwise this city can turn into all the things you see on the reality shows that you hate. Ah, uh, yeah. But, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I despise reality TV so bad. <laughs> you know, some isn't terrible. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like traditional reality TV, like the way it began. Oh, like, mm-hmm. you know, street fights and people living in this house and like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, barfing on each other or whatever <laughs> they did. <laughs> but there's, <laughs> there's some things that are really cool, like docu-series. Um, yeah, well, those are good, yes. Yes, yeah. I would agree with you there. So, I mean, if if you're following somebody because they have an actual skill or talent, like mm-hmm. Project Runway, I yeah. haven't watched it in years because I just don't have time for shows anymore. But I think that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, like my wife taking loves a that bunch show, of yeah. unknown people that are trying to make a line you give people a, you give people a career that way so that's yeah. cool like fine let's have more yeah. shows like that like last comic standing where people can actually get up there and be talented and have something happen because of it great let's have those <laughs> get rid of all the other crap <laughs> oh yeah you know i stopped watching i stopped watch, watching mtv when i hit like my 20s because it just it was just everything was reality tv and i'm just like yeah. what happened to the music videos what happened to the yeah, shows I, you know there was, what happened to mtv unplugged you know <laughs> trl trl oh yeah <laughs> Carson Daly was so cool. No, I know. Yeah. And now, yeah. you know, now he hosts The Voice and he's yeah. doing fine. So it works for him. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think about that too. I'm like, we were at this, we were at some bar a couple weeks ago and they had one of those DJs that has the videos to the songs mm-hmm. that come up with whatever's playing. Yeah. So it shows the music videos. And we were just sitting there dumbfounded because we hadn't seen a music video and probably eight years like, oh my gosh I yeah. haven't seen any music videos for anything because I <laughs> yeah. I don't YouTube stuff like I don't <laughs> I don't sit and peruse YouTube I don't know what people's music videos are so yeah I'm like yeah, you know I, it, it kind of goes yeah, to like go not listening to the radio anymore you know yeah yeah because yeah. I feel like you know I have my podcast that I listen to in the car when I'm in traffic mm-hmm. and I listen yeah. to NPR all the time I'm such yeah. a nerd but <laughs> <laughs> or TED Talks TED Talks you know, are the coolest yeah you know I had a I had a buddy of mine that I just saw today that was telling me hey I was listening to TED Talks there's there was a person from San Antonio that was on there or something really cool you know and he was he was like maybe you can try to network with her about doing the podcast I'm like well okay well we'll see what's going on I mean I I've never heard TED Talks um I had a another buddy of mine who I work with who was telling who was telling me they had like this little um and he, he sent me the link on twitter and it was like a like this uh video like like a not a webinar but it, it felt like a, like that i guess yeah where they were that's kind what of they like are ask, pretty much yeah and mm-hmm. and they were asked talking about asking the right questions and i said oh man i feel like i need to do more research but at the same time i don't like i don't want to overthink with this because then i kind of sound dumbfounded and maybe the person i'm talking to isn't enjoying the conversation because at the end of the day it's just two people who are, I'm, i want to talk to somebody hear their story and basically bullshit for an hour and have a good time i think that. those are the funnest podcasts, yeah. honestly because we're this feels like a conversation to me like if we were having yeah. beers at a dive yeah. bar this is you I know mean, yeah. Yeah. stuff that we could be talking about and i i think that's that's fun um yeah 
Uh, what? Uh, so you don't listen to TED Talks, <laughs> but I have to tell you about this person that well, I'm go, obsessed yeah, with right on ahead. there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I get really excited about. Um, I get really excited about anything comedy, of course. Right. But I also get really excited about skills that I could never possess. So yeah. I get really into. I used to be very into the X Games. Like, oh yeah, I yeah, I remember motocross, those. And I love like these kind of trickery and that kind of um, BMX. I used to watch X Games all the time. Um, then nice. uh, I got into video games for a while, and right now I'm into beatboxers because I think they are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this guy on TED Talks. You've got to look him up when we get off this podcast. But um, okay, his name is Tom Thumb. But no B at the end. It's T H U M. Okay. He is a world renowned um, beatboxer, but he can really? play all of the different instruments that exist all over the world with his face. Like it is bizarre. It is the coolest thing. So he does mm, a TEDx cool. talk, and TEDx is is kind of like the younger generation type of TED talks. Okay. Like um, interesting skills are kind of more. Um, I don't know exactly what they call the genre, but there's TED talks, which are a lot of, you know, anything from the medical profession to whatever. And then yeah. TEDx is kind of more obscure stuff. Um, nice. So he did a TEDx talk where mm -hmm. he takes you around the world playing all the different type of music from around the world with his mouth. Wow. And like it's beatboxing on steroids. Like he can make any song. <laughs> and I... That was the first time I binge watched somebody online. I found every everything he's ever done and watched all of it because wow. it is it, he is so cool. So that's just my little rant. But you have to you have to no look no it's cool. You'll love it. Oh my god. <laughs> well, well, at least you didn't say you watched The Nerdist or something. I, I can kind of respect. I'm kidding. I've never. <laughs> Chris Hardwick's pretty cool. I like his show. Oh yeah, no the nerd nerd melt and the Nerdist are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to this one guy who's in California. I don't know if you know have uh, heard of him. It's his name is Bert Kresher Kresher, I think, because he's mm -hmm. got a podcast called the yeah. Bert Bertcast and now Bert Bertcast Podcast, I think is what it's called. And he's hilarious. Mm -hmm. So I mean I, I was just I mean, I I try to listen to different things and um we do have this little, you know, group of podcasters, independent podcasters that are all working together to try to help us grow at the same time. So there's different kinds of shows and I've tried to open myself to it. And I spawned the idea for, for doing my podcast off another podcast that I was doing where I was co-hosting with a friend, but we just strictly talked sports and sometimes current events. But yeah, it was, I just wanted to get away from that because I mean, don't get me wrong. I love sports just as much as anybody else does, but I like to get in and have these, uh, you know, different type of conversations. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to talk about, you know, yeah. there's, whole big world out there no there basketball. really is <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so, yeah so yeah. you do you travel a lot outside of san antonio or are no, you kind of stationed right now i'm kind of stationed um you know just we, we uh i i'm just just started doing this and um we you know do um i work and you know just doing the same old stuff but i mean obviously that i started i found this passion into po podcasting and i started doing it yeah, i had this yeah i had listened to um Thank you. Uh, I had listened to uh, for years this uh, the podcast, uh, Colt Cabana's podcast, and I wanted to start doing one for years. And I'm just like, this this is like the type of thing I can do. I'm just, he's just talking to somebody. There's no agenda. There's nothing like that. You're just 
bullshitting. I could totally do this. I mean, I'm behind a microphone. I'm not on a camera where, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, mm-hmm. I get nervous or anything like that. So yeah. it's, it's perfect. So it's, it's growing. I mean, I, I would like to hopefully one day if it grows and becomes something, maybe it can become something bigger. And I'm definitely shooting for that, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everything takes time, but yeah. you know, over time you'll, your audience will find you and you know, yeah. it's great. Thank you. Yeah. This is a fun yeah, I need to come out so, to Texas again. I haven't been. I, <laughs> I was just, I was just about to ask you if you've ever come down to Texas to perform or do anything like that. I have, I have. have you? Um, when Austin, I I'm was, guessing? it was Austin, exactly. Yeah. I, I did yeah. not do South by Southwest, so, um, right. but I was part of kind of a fringe of that. Oh, um, nice. When I was new to LA, a bunch of the guys from the Comedy Store, which is one of the mm-hmm. bigger clubs here, um. Mm-hmm led by the the guy who was the GM at the time, um, okay. all went down to perform at South by Southwest, and they mm-hmm. invited me and my other friend to open for them. Wow. So they weren't a part of – it's kind of strange how it works down there, but unless you're a part of the big, big show, you're kind of just um, like a tertiary mm-hmm. show that you have to set up yourself. So that's the kind of show it was. But we were there for South by Southwest. We did a show at this theater. Um, it was like this independent improv theater. Yeah. Um, and that was my first experience with South by. It was That was five years ago. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. And it was crazy because South by is a shit show. It is so packed with people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Austin's. Yeah. It was um, fun as hell, but it was so <laughs> I didn't expect that at all. Like we went down yeah. there and you could not get cabs. I mean, you were like <laughs> hoofing it everywhere just because, yeah. man, there's it, it's just fun, though. Yeah. They you know, there's um, I met I met a couple of people and actually a husband and a wife. They run a website for Austin called the Austinot. And what they do is they recommend like if people are traveling to Austin, traveling to Austin, they recommend like certain restaurants or places to go see shows and travel around the place to kind of get acquainted with it. Yeah. And I had told him, and he had like such amazing stories because he was like a, like a boxing promoter or he worked for the like boxing production company. So yeah. Yeah. So he knew, he knew a lot of like uh, some, some celeb, some celebrity boxers. Like I think he said he knew Oscar De La Hoya. He knew Jesse James Meja who who's out here in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And, I was just like, I gotta have a conversation with this guy. So I've been trying to um, get in touch with him to kind of put it out there, but he's been kind of out and about because they do travel a lot, but I thought it was amazing. And South by Southwest, I've never actually been, um, even though we live, we're about an hour out of Austin. And the one time that I did go to Austin, we went to go see Paul McCartney, which was three years ago. (laughs) And that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, That was so amazing. It would be great to see. Yeah. It's like a bucket list item right there. And um, yeah. That's and cool. Yeah, and for being sixty nine years old, this guy like tore it up. <laughs> yeah, for three hours. Well, yeah. God, think of how young he was when he first started performing. I mean, it's yeah, just that's true. It's in you at that point. Yeah, I definitely. look at somebody like Justin. Tim- not that you can compare Justin Timberlake <laughs> to Paul McCartney per se, but yeah. I think Justin Timberlake is pretty damn cool. Uh, yeah, and he's funny. No, yeah, too, he is. And he makes yeah. you know he makes fun of himself. I like people that can do that. Um, yeah. But when these kids start performing in groups when they're young they like it just never leaves them right you know they just that entertainer is in them the yeah. entertainer in you is always there right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's cool um are you really into boxing you know i've 
I've never been able to get into it as much. I've always kind of, you know, watched it here and there. I think last time I saw a fight was about a year ago. A buddy of mine invited all of us over and we were watching the Mayweather fight. I've already seen a Mayweather fight, so I already knew what was going to happen. So I kind of got bored with it. No disrespect to Floyd Mayweather. He's an amazing fighter. He makes a lot more money than I do. Mm -hmm. Good for him. But I just I, I could I had a hard time getting into it, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things I never thought that I would get. And I don't really get into the boxing aspect itself. Like, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily follow. I'll watch the big fights. But um, right. my boyfriend and I, a number of months ago, started getting mm -hmm. heavy into Muay Thai. Well, oh, so yeah. Thai I've heard about boxing, that, yeah. And I yeah. love it because him and I have always been very athletic people. Mm -hmm. Um uh, that's kind of a lie. He's an <laughs> he's an athlete. I am athletic, but yeah. I've never I had never had like a traditional sport that I was great at. I was okay at volleyball. I was okay at track, um, <laughs> but I've always been athletically inclined. But right. my area of of uh, I can't even say expertise, but my area of okayness was <laughs> like I was in dance, and I was really great with water sports. Nice. And, like, kind of kind of obscure things i think that's why i started liking the x games when i was young because i was like oh th that guy couldn't play football but look at him falling out on that bicycle <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um i you know i've always kind of been at, like i out jet ski and do all these types of water sports and uh then we found muay thai and it got me super excited because I feel like so many people in this city in particular are in right. shape just to be in shape. But yeah. if like an animal were to attack them or something, they'd be like eaten in two seconds. <laughs> where now I feel like I know how to fight. I feel like yeah. at least if like this rabid dog is coming after me, I could kick, I could kick it out. <laughs> I could yeah. knock it out. <laughs> like yeah, well, <laughs> something practical as a human. Like I feel like I'm in shape for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I remember you you emailing me saying that you were at a martial arts class, right? Is that what is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Muay Thai, yeah. it's it's a martial arts and Muay Thai gym. Mm -hmm. Um, nice. heavier on the Muay Thai side, but I have a lot of friends who do martial arts as well, and so we kind of cross train. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's so cool. <laughs> and you, it's, it's, you, I'm sure it's very cathartic. Like you had said that you could get your release, a lot of frustration and stress because of the so many different elements in LA. Oh yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> I think it makes me calm in traffic now. Um, I don't ever like, I've never looked at like hitting a bag or hitting pads and thought, mm -hmm oh, this feels so good. Like, I'm so frustrated. I just want to hit stuff. Like, I never feel that way ever. But getting that energy out of your body mm -hmm. uh, does help you in yeah. mean, like, regular circumstances. <laughs> like, at the post office the other day, you know, all these people, everyone is always in such a rush. Yeah. And, you know, unless I'm in a rush, I'm never in a rush. Yeah. Because we all only have so much time. So it's valuable right. to all of us. So my right. time isn't more important than yours. Mm -hmm. All of our time matters. So right. I've always been one of those people. I'm like in line and somebody seems like they're really anxious or tapping their foot behind me. I'm like, you need to go in front of me. <laughs> what? You don't have, you don't have anywhere to be. Um, no, it's a Monday and it's three o'clock. I'm clearly not yeah. at a day job. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah. it, just, it makes you more, I don't know, makes you more just chill about other things. That's, that's very, that makes a lot of sense. And does it blow your mind that there's still people that don't, you know, if they have bills, they don't pay anything through uh, digitally. I mean, well, email or, or, you know, online, it just blows my mind that people still buy a lot of stamps to send off bills. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and there's certain things like, you know, we haven't mastered the Wonka vision yet and we can't ship things <laughs> through particles in the air. So, I mean, you still yeah. have to use, that's the thing that sucks about the postal service is it's not yeah. good, but we Snail have mail. to use yeah. it sometimes. Yeah. So I try to use FedEx, but sometimes you're stuck with, <laughs> with the USPS and the, their, and their the awesome technology. Yeah, dude. Post office <laughs> is the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. That was, that was my nightmare today. We spent quite a bit saying. of time. Yeah. I had to go and they had one of these letters in the mail that we had to pick up and it was just like, oh my gosh, really? There's like 10 people in front of me and just, oh I know. God. And I have, I'm in one of those weird things, like when you're in a big city like Los Angeles, and it was like this mm -hmm. in Chicago too, um, yeah. every post office is on a grid. So I'm across the street from a post office. But if I'm oh. not home when something comes to me, it goes mm -hmm. to a post office that's like miles away. What the heck? Because so it weird. goes to a larger post office mm -hmm. and, yeah. you know, broader. So when when I miss a package, I'm so frustrated because it's going to take an hour and a half out of my day to go stand in this stupid line while you yes. knock on that, you know, Wizard of Oz type of door and a little dude peeks his head out and then he disappears for an hour looking for your package. And you're like, what yeah. are you doing back there? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, so yeah, I'm always like, is it worth it? Do I really need that thing? Or should I just forget about it <laughs> yeah yeah we, we, we've discovered what amazon prime can do for us yes. now it's amazing yes it's so amazing mm -hmm. that they can people were now they just started doing uh prime now in san antonio where you can order stuff like groceries and they deliver it to you and just like whoa they drop it to you from a drone yeah well not a drone we don't have drones yet <laughs> yeah, but i've heard about the drones i'm like freaking out i'm like oh my gosh it's freaking skynet's gonna take over soon and the machines are gonna the, try to kill us right? and everything. the drone <laughs> thing is really interesting because i was reading about that and uh yeah. so they have uh the government has trained hawks wow to snatch drones out of the sky if they think that a drone is like an illegal camera which i've seen those here in LA you know, starting a couple of years ago where um, people that are trying to peep on celebrities or whatever will yeah. zoom a drone over a high, you know, a high class hotel and like it'll be a camera drone and it's looking for people. Wow. So that's the thing that happens here a lot because um, I was at a hotel one day eating and I saw one and I was like, mm -hmm. so funny. Like who, yeah. who cares that much about a person <laughs> that you would yeah. send a little miniature helicopter in with a spying camera. It's so weird. Um, but the government is cr training these um, hawks to snatch those types of drones out of the sky. So then I was like, Oh great. Now criminals are going to train their own hawks 
and yeah. they're going to snatch packages and it's going to be this like skybound <laughs> hawk battle. <laughs> we're just going to we're going to be laying on our stomachs, you know, in the grass watching it all happen. <laughs> so funny. That's hilarious. We're going to have to need we're going to need um uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger to be a T1000 or something <laughs> to rescue us. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that now. He's kind of old. Maybe we'll have to yeah. do um He's a mess. I don't know. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he looks he looks like a hot mess now. Yeah, Poor guy. I mean it's just but, too much Botox. You know that's yeah. one of those one of those avenues of LA that I have not explored and don't plan to. I'm like, you know what? I would rather age gracefully than have mm-hmm. um, a face that looks like a Barbie doll. <laughs> so do you do you like it out there? I mean, obviously, you, I mean, do you love it? I mean, being there I for do. six years. Yes, yeah. I do now. Um, we're in a really cool neighborhood. We're mm. not in the Hollywood hubbub. We're like south of that. We're south mm. of Hollywood, just east of Beverly Hills. Um, wow. Most of our neighbors are kind of Midwestern people. We all grill mm-hmm. out and hang out together. It's a That's walkable awesome. neighborhood. So. Um, and like I said, you know, like you, if you don't hang out at douchey places, then you don't feel mm-hmm. like everyone <laughs> sucks. And so yeah. then you end up really liking a city, but you just have to make a choice of where to, where to hang. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Do you, and do you ever go back home, I guess, like maybe for holidays and stuff oh, to visit family? I have been home a lot. Uh, uh, in the last year, I've been home eight times. Um, my grandma and I are best friends. (laughs) That's that's awesome. And, uh, my, I'm really close to my, my dad and my mom. And, um, Mm. so anytime I have downtime and I'm able to book shows in the Midwest, I go back. Nice. Um, yeah, I think, you know, fam, my friends that I grew up with and my family are everything. My friends, I've had the same friends back home for 25 plus years. So that is, that's cool. You you went to great school with them and everything. Yeah. And I'm in, you know, we're in their weddings. We call each other all the time. And so, you know, I'm like, why wouldn't I want to see these people? Life is short. (laughs) Yeah. Life is very short. Yeah. I go home as often as I can, you know, and work it around when I need to be here. Wow. But yeah, that's, that's that's really cool. And do you so do you do a lot of shows? Uh, I don't. I know we're kind of running on time, but I just wanted to ask real quick. Um, uh, do you do a lot of shows outside of California? I mean, I know you just said you do like in the Midwest, but anywhere else? I do. Or? I tra- I travel quite a bit. Um, oh, nice. I've okay. hit over the years. I've hit all the major markets. Like you know, I go to New York as often as I can. Mm-hmm. I usually am in New York like three times a year, maybe four. Um, come back to Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco, San Diego. Next weekend, I'm in San Diego. Then I go to Cabo and then back to San Diego. Um, nice. So I'm there, I'm down kind of in the southern tip for a while. Um, I haven't hit the Miami or anything like mm-hmm. that, but I've pretty much done every other big city throughout the the country. Yeah, Flor- Miami is beautiful. That's a beautiful yeah, part of the country. Yeah, that's one place I haven't performed and I really want to. Um, oh, yeah. But I also, because I um, I love, 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 love traveling and exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do try to book places that I haven't been or I'll specifically mm-hmm. try to book somewhere because I have friends that I want to see there. Yeah. Um, in November, I booked this tour with my friend, um, we did a, a comedy tour in the Caribbean because I have wow. a lot of friends that live on islands out there. 
So I I called all these venues and I set the whole thing up myself and we, we went out and did, you know, a two week tour in the Caribbean and it was awesome. So that's kind of stuff I'm looking to do more. I'm doing, trying to do Europe, um, in late summer or fall, still kind of working on those details. Um, working on hmm. working on getting China and Dubai and Australia as well. So that is so awesome. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully it all works out and yeah, you know, places are too, safe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um so okay, so uh this is my last question and then we'll we'll plug all your stuff, but have you ever been to Lambeau Field? I have to ask. I haven't. Isn't that oh, awful? Oh my gosh. I know. Well I mean you know that I mean it's not awful because it's like a 20 25 year waiting list from what I hear. Well and I was <laughs> the the sad thing is um I did another podcast towards the end of last year that mm-hmm. the guy one of the guys on it happened to have season he was a lifetime ticket holder for Green Bay. Wow. That is so, so he cool. was going to sell me tickets for um, the game in January. It was like right after um, New Year's. And mm-hmm. I was going to take my dad as a surprise because um, wow. my dad hasn't ever been either. Like Green Bay is five or six hours north of where I'm from. So, yeah. Uh, but I found out that my dad was going to not be available that weekend. That we were supposed to go. And so I ended up not being able to surprise him with the tickets and I was so bummed, but <laughs> it'll happen eventually. Yeah. yeah I, a buddy of mine who lives here is a, uh, a Cowboys fan, believe it or not. Anyway, yeah. but he actually got tickets when Dallas went up there and played at Lambeau. And I constantly like was, you know, jabber, you know, joshing him on, on Facebook. I'm like, Oh, okay. So you're going to go to Lambeau, but you don't want to go to AT&T stadium. And then he, of course he recognized the history and all the, you know, the, the lineage at Lambeau field. Oh, so sure. I kind of gave him a little, I, I gave him a pass because he went, but I mean, they, they ended up losing Dallas ended up losing anyway. So it's okay. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. All, we, all we need to know. Um, yeah. And it's one of those, you know, it's definitely a bucket list thing. I mean, it should be an easier one than not, but I, yeah. you know, I'd much rather take some time while I'm, young to go explore greece or something then yeah <laughs> i'll go to up go to back. the frozen tundra when i'm aging <laughs> and have fewer choices <laughs> and i already that's can't hilarious. feel my fingers you know <laughs> i'll wait yeah, that's, that's funny <laughs> um so where can my dear listeners follow you uh, natasha or check out your stuff yeah um so i have two slightly mediocre websites that I built myself. So you can look but at they're, either they're of them. They're great though. I like them. Yeah. <laughs> so I have com and nphcomedy.com. I don't keep a calendar on there very much anymore mm-hmm. because the um, it's so much easier for me to tweet out when I have my shows. Yeah. So I usually do Twitter because that'll go to Facebook and all my Facebook pages. Um, but everything mm-hmm. I have is at nphcomedy. Natasha Pearl awesome. Hansen comedy. Yeah. So, um, awesome. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, all that, all that crap by looking up. That. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then of course the websites, if you want to go that route, yeah. either one. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Natasha, thank you so much for your time. I had such a great time talking with you and I loved your story. It's amazing what you're doing. Um, obviously, okay. you've got you're a very talented person. You're welcome. And um, <laughs> Well, trying, you know, and yeah. in, in uh, five more years, hopefully, we'll both be able to say, dang, she figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
that would that would yeah definitely i mean i would love to i would love to say hey you know what i talked to her like five years ago maybe <laughs> she's not gonna talk to me now or i don't no, know who knows but I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding god forbid those I'm, type of people no yeah i don't think you're that type of person i'm kidding yeah anyway thank you so much for being on i really appreciate thank it thank you for having me you've been a great great person to chat with so i appreciate oh, that awesome. thank you cool. All right, guys, there you have it. It was the re-airing of Natasha Pearl Hansen episode 13. What did you guys think of it? Did you hear it the, when you heard it the first time around, did you enjoy it? Or maybe did you miss it? But either way, I hope that you all liked it. Um, hopefully one day she comes back on the show and we kind of catch up with her and see what she's up to these days. I still keep in touch with her. The funny story was that she was actually supposed to host episode 50. And then it ended up kind of falling through with plans and everything like that. Timing was off. But I think she's going to come back again someday. But anyway, guys, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Royal Sausage Jr. Um, Facebook.com slash World of Row is the World of Row Facebook page. And also, if you want to drop a line to me, RoyalSJR at gmail.com. And of course, next week, guys, the Rono's podcast starts all for, all for the month of October. So uh, <clears throat> keep an eye out for that. I'm already booking next week's episode now, and I've got a couple of people for sure. And uh, we'll see how it goes. All right, guys, you've been listening to the World of Row Turns. I gotta get out of here. I gotta hang out with Jude and uh, maybe we'll watch some movies. Oh, the Packer game is on. I watch that. So. All right, guys, stay tuned as the world grow turns, guys. Take care.